Let's look at Romans chapter 9. I want to finish Romans chapter 9 for you. And I want you to remember that we're talking about growing properly. There is nothing better, in, in my view, in this whole world than to knowing Jesus Christ. God has been so good to us that we know God. We know Jesus. And Jesus is going to take us places. He's, a, he's so amazing. Oftentimes, he's taken us without our realizing we're going there. Uh, and sometimes he, he will do what he will take us in, in a sense uh, um, on a circuitous route, you know. He doesn't take you directly there. He takes you sort of around and you think, Lord, you know, we're supposed to. And you're trying to be God's advisor. I've learned I'm not going to counsel him. You know, I've done that in my life. And then God takes us somewhere. And so I want us to uh, embrace whatever God is doing in our lives and grow together and to be a, a wonderful people of God that properly represents him. I want us to do that. And uh, let me just get on to the word here. Uh, I wanted to start, and I will start in, um, in Romans 9, 19, but I want to go back to verse 14. Uh, Romans uh, chapter 9, 19 says, You will say to me then, why does he still find fault? For who has resisted his will? And so we talk to God like that, all of us. We talk to God like that. Somebody may say, well, I don't talk to God like that. It's probably because you, as my dad would say, you learned some sense. You know, you, you got smart and you stopped talking to God like that. We've all questioned God. And, you know, we are asking God, why this? Why that? And so he says, you will say, why does God find fault for who has resisted his will? But, and Paul goes on to say, but indeed, old man, who are you to reply against God? Who are you to contradict God in your reply? Who are you to know more than God? And we have all acted that way. You may say, well, I never did. You've forgotten. But you, you had to have done that because that's the way of the earth. That's the way of mankind. Who are you to reply against God? Who are you to uh, contradict God? Who are you to know more than God? He says, will the thing formed say to him who formed it? Will the thing formed say to him who formed it? Why have you made me like this? Can, can this podium say to the person who formed it, why did you make me for some old preacher to be leaning on? You know, you can't do that. I mean, it just does much as things will never say that. It will never say that, right? Never say that. I've just popped it. It didn't say a word, right? It will never say that. Then Paul asks another question. He says, does not the potter have power over the clay? And our answer would be what? Yes. He said, um, from the same lump to make one vessel for honor and another for dishonor. And to make a vessel for honor and then one for dishonor. So let's go back and read, um, and we'll do it somewhat quickly. Uh, Romans 9, 14 through 21. You'll understand why Paul is asking these questions. Because every one of us has asked a question of God that we probably, we learned later that we shouldn't have asked, right? All of us ask a question. Nobody? Just me and uh, Sandy, Sister Sandy and I. Yeah, okay. Yeah, we, 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 we're truth tellers here. 
So Paul asks a question. Uh, he's talking about Israel's rejection of God's justice. And he says, what shall we say then? Is there unrighteousness with God? So that was the question. You know, is God unrighteous to do these things that he does? He says, certainly not. Or the King James, God forbid. There's no, uh, crazy, there's no craziness here. God forbid. Says, Paul says, for he says to Moses, I will have mercy on whomever I will have mercy. This is what God says. But he is the maker. I will have mercy on whomever I will have mercy. And he's righteous. See, if God had condemned all of us to hell, he would have been righteous. You say, I don't know about that. Yes. Because we were all in the car when Adam did his dirty stuff. Right? When Adam, the first man, uh, as it were, if we robbed the bank, we were in the car, so we were accomplices. So when Adam sinned and, and rather than trusted God and, and ate the, 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 the fruit that was forbidden, and Eve said, taste it. And he said, oh, wow, Lord, she's eating it. You know, and, and we were all there eating with him. You said, well, I wasn't. Yes, you were. It's like being in the car when the guy robbed the bank, you got the, a sentence too. And that's what happened here. And so God says, I'll have mercy on whom I will have mercy. And I will have compassion on whomever I will have compassion. So he's righteous in that. So then it is not of him who wills, who shows a, a strong mind towards something, or, or him who runs, you're, you're always trying to get it done. But it's of God who shows mercy. When, when we understand these truths, we will be able to convey them to the world. I believe strongly that we are in a time when Jesus could come. I, I see crazy things wherever I go in the world, wherever I go. We're not the only ones that, that, uh, that, uh, the ones that are intoxicated with ignorance. We are not the only ones. It's all over the world. People are doing crazy stuff. Actually, in America, we're doing crazy stuff that I hadn't seen until somewhat recently. Uh, you know, we, when Pastor Charles and I would travel around the preaching, and we'd come back, I said, Charles, one of these days, man, I'm just going to fall down and kiss the ground. I'm so glad to be home. And then we, I, we came back, and we were acting just like everybody else. And that's what sin does. So, but, so God, having mercy on whomever he would have mercy and compassion on whomever, he is still righteous because were he to condemn us all to hell, we would have deserved it. Now, notice what God continues to say. He said, for the scripture says, I noticed this actually, I was reviewing last night, just reading again last night, and I noticed something that I hadn't quite noticed. He says, for the scripture says to Pharaoh. I know the scripture had said it, but I didn't realize that the scripture said it to Pharaoh. In, the, in that the scripture that says the soul that sins shall die, that, that the scripture is saying that to people who are sinning. They may not have read it, but the scripture is saying it to them. And if they will come into the right place, they will hear what God is saying. He says, for this very purpose, I've raised you up that I may show, display my power in you and that my name may be declared in all the earth. So I'm going to use you, obstinate, selfish, hard-hearted man to show my power. And so we say, well, God, it's not right because you made him. No, God, God did not in the sense that we think. You see, we, you and I are living right now in the present. We have a particular past and we have a future. But God lives in a place called the eternal now. That, that, that's mind-blowing for me. I mean, uh, somebody says, stop saying mind-blowing. Your mind should never be blown. Okay. <laughs> Give me a better expression. 
but, but it, it's overwhelming to the mind that, that there's somebody who is all the way wherever eternity is. Eternity is like forever, and I don't know, and forever is eternity, and it's on and on and on. There's no real word or no definition I can give you better than that. It's just way back yonder. And God is way back yonder. And God is way up yonder. And God is right here. That's mind-blowing to me. And so, so when we read these things, we're reading it about, uh, from our perspective. How could you have done that? So all of the, the, our past, present, and future are all right here in front of God. So God is not doing anything unjust at all. At all. Because Pharaoh made up his own mind. How did God harden his heart? He asked him to do something he was unwilling to do. If God asks you to do something, you should say, yes, Lord. And not, well, let me think about it. And so he, Pharaoh, he kept asking. So Pharaoh refused. And the more Pharaoh refused, the harder his heart got. And the more you and I refuse God, the harder our heart gets. So we have to walk this out. So anyway, let's go ahead and see how God hardened. He says, therefore, he has mercy on whom he wills, and whom he wills, he hardens. Uh, he, he makes hard or stubborn or obstinate. And so let's, let's go to verse uh, 19 uh, again. Let's read through 19 again. No. Did I read 19 already? Yes, I read it earlier. So let me go to... 22. How is that? I did read 19, I think. I started with 19. Okay, let's go to 22. What if God wanted to show his wrath and to make his power known? What if, Paul says, endured with much long suffering the vessels of wrath prepared for destruction? And that he might make known the riches, the wealth of his glory on the vessels of mercy which he had prepared beforehand for glory. Even us whom he called not of the Jews only, but also of the Gentiles. And so God's desire, because he made us to be vessels of glory, and he poured out mercy on us so that we would display his glory. God has that right. He is not wrong for having done it. He is not wrong for having made a vessel uh, for wrath or for the display of his wrath he is not wrong because he never he never made you come to him he offered you came he never made them do the wrong thing uh, it was there and they did it yes. so god is not unrighteous god is not unrighteous paul explains it uh, as clearly as i did <laughs> in matthew 23 we have an understanding of what this looks like when jesus is riding into Jerusalem. Jesus is riding into Jerusalem. He is God in, the, in a human body, God in the flesh. He's riding into Jerusalem. And this shows you the mercies of God because God was pleading with Jerusalem uh, or the Jewish people, pleading with them, come to God, come to God. He wouldn't do that if they had no ability to come. But he's pleading with them to do that. And you can see it displayed to Jesus, the man of compassion here in Matthew 23, verse 37. It gives us the context for all of the other. Some, you, you remember that context uh, def, uh, determines meaning. 
Uh, context determines meaning. And here he, he's over in Jerusalem. He's riding into Jerusalem. He is their king. They've rejected him. The Pharisees, the, the religious group rejected him. The secular, quote-unquote, religious people, the Sadducees, uh, rejected him and uh, even joined with the world to kill him. We'll preach on that sometime. So Jesus is there saying, he's on the hill, he's looking over, overlooking Jerusalem, he says, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, listen, the one who kills the prophets, the preachers, the one who kills the preachers, the prophets, and stones those who are sent to her. Now, Jesus is not playing games. He wanted to save them, but they refused to be saved. If, you, if somebody were drowning and you were a lifeguard, you went out there and they would fight you and you say, stop fighting, and they keep fighting you, with flailing at you, and then maybe they kick you and shove you away until you say, well, the waves are coming, the waves are coming. They keep pushing you. You can't save them. Maybe you can't save them. There are some people who want their own way, and they want their way. They don't care what God says. I, I'm going to follow my feelings today. I'm going to follow the dictates of my mind today. And he says, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the one who kills the prophets and stones, those who are sent to her, how, how often I wanted, how often I wanted, what did he say? How often I wanted to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks on her wings, but you were not willing. The storms were brewing the storms were coming. I tried to give you shelter and you wouldn't come. And then he says, see, your house is left to you desolate. The place where I was to dwell, the place that I came into and you wanted to throw me out of it. I threw what should have been thrown out of it and you accused me of blasphemy and various things. Your house is left to you desolate. It was the house of God, but now it's their house. For I say to you, you shall see me no more. He was resurrected from the grave, but they didn't see him. You will see me no more. Till you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. This is so huge. So what is our responsibility? Is our responsibility to compete with the world for worldly things? Is that our responsibility? Or we are now trying to fix the world's mess by using the world's methods? Many, many Christians are. They think it's their civic responsibility. I think I don't find that anywhere in Scripture. But I do find in Scripture where you and I ought to pray. As mom used to say, when the saints begin to pray, God will have his way. Hallelujah. 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 Let's look at Romans 9, 25, where he says, he starts, to, Paul uses his support scriptures. I like to call them witnesses, you know, call them my witnesses. Yeah, so God allows me to practice law. I never went to law school, but I wanted to, so. I'm going to call my witnesses. And he says in Hosea, also in Hosea, this is what God says to Hosea, the prophet. I will call them my people who were not my people and her beloved who was not beloved. And it shall come to pass in the place where it was said to them, you are not my people. That's all of our descendants, um, ancestors. 
That's all of ours. That's where we came from. Most of us in here are probably 99% uh, point something or from Gentile stock. He says, I will call them my people who were not my people and her beloved who was not beloved. And it shall come to pass in the place where it was said to them, you are not my people. There they shall be called sons of the living God. You and I are recipients of this tremendous mercy and outpouring of the goodness of God. He is not unrighteous. He made us. He can do what, what he will. It came from the scripture in Hosea where he says, Then I will sow for her, I will sow her for myself in the earth, and I will have mercy on her who had not obtained mercy. Lo Ruhama um, is, the, is, the, is the name. Then I will, there's the name that Hosea was told to name his children. And then I will say to those who were not my people, Lo Ami. The, the one is that. Let me read that first one again. Then I will sow her for myself in the earth, and I will have mercy on her who had not obtained mercy. Lo Ruhama. Not obtained mercy. Then I will say to those who were not my people, Lo Ami. You are, you are my people. I will say to them, you are my people. And they shall say, you are my God. And you and I have fulfilled this in saying that you are my God. We were not his people, but we are now his people. And he is our God. He is our Father. Amen. And so Isaiah speaks also. Isaiah is another witness. What does this do for us? This should strengthen us in our faith, knowing that since God is for us, no one can successfully come against us. God is for us. If God is for you, who can be against you? God is for you. When God is on your side, you're the winner. That's what this means. We don't need to go to the world for those things. I don't hate the world. I love the people. I love them. We love them. We don't hate them. We don't hate them because we tell them the truth. Sometimes they, they, they say things like, what's your truth? And I, I know somebody here explained that to me, what that really means, uh, but the young people. But I don't like the saying, what's your truth? What's the, it's as though truth is, is subjective. But it, 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 we know the truth is objective it, because uh, it, it doesn't come through my filter, your filter. It comes directly from God who has no filter, as it were. Yeah. The truth is in Christ, is in Jesus. And if you believe something other than that, then you are obviously wrong. Okay? Let's look at Isaiah quickly. Isaiah, the scripture says, Isaiah also cries out concerning Israel, though the number of the children of Israel be as the sand of the sea, the remnant will be saved. That, that's a heartbreak for me, and I trust it's a heartbreak for you, that, that we are enjoying Israel's uh, benefits, their their blessings. We are enjoying those. We are enjoying their spiritual things. These things that we're enjoying, this was meant for Israel. It was meant for Israel. And you and I are enjoying these things. It's amazing. And what breaks my heart is I see people in the world who are resisting God. Some of us were God resistors. Well, let me stop it. All of us were God resistors. All of us were God resistors, and now we're not resisting him anymore. Why? Because of his love. We just oozed, oozed, you know, the love of God. It's amazing. And somebody says, I don't know if there's something called irresistible grace. Well, there may be some uh, I mean, uh, irresistible grace. I found irresistible grace. Somebody said, grace can be resisted. Yeah, well, maybe so. It wasn't with me. It's like when Jesus says, hey, hey, baby, come here. 
okay. You know, that's the way it was. Maybe I, initially I said, I don't know about that. But one day he let life deal with me. And when life was dealing with me, I wanted the loving arms of Jesus after that. You know what I'm saying? Amen. Somebody say shout to the Lord. Amen. And so, so he says, and when you study Bible prophecy, end time uh, prophecy, it looks like we're there more than any, at any time maybe in our history. It looks like to me we're there uh, maybe at the very threshold or maybe one foot over the threshold. We're there. Craziest things. I, I don't have time to go into all the examples, but as we travel the world, I used to travel, you know, we're traveling in the past, and I would see the craziest things out there. I would just want to get back to America. I want to get back home and just, <laughs> Lord, I'll put up with whatever we got to put up with here. It's just good to be home. Thank you, Jesus. And now it's like you come home, and it's as crazy home as it is out there. It's, it's like, it's like I, I don't know the, the sequence, but it's like running from a lion, and then you run into a bear, and you run, you get out, you run from the bear, and you get home, say, I made it, and put your hand on the wall, and that ass bites you. You know, it's kind of like that. It's kind of like that. So, but we are people of God. We have hope, and then we can dispense hope. We are dispensers of grace. We are dispensers of hope. Why? Because hope is a person. Grace is a person, and that person lives in all of us. Amen. Amen. And so now he says, but but the Jewish people, I have great heartbreak for them, and I want us to help them where we can. And I want you to help us help them where we can. Why? Because we're enjoying their spiritual things. I gave the example earlier in the service. It's like having a, uh, you know, you being very wealthy. Let's say you're a billionaire and, and you want your children to enjoy all of your wealth and you build nice houses, communities, wonderful places for them and they don't want to live there. And they want, they're living out there on the streets and doing crazy stuff. You want them to come and, and live there. That's what it's like with Israel. God, God gave them all of these amazing blessings. And we, and we have talked about they are not all Israel who are of Israel. And we'll do that again to bring greater clarity. Now, what does God say about this in his word? For he will finish the work and cut it short in righteousness because the Lord will make a short work upon the earth. And God is, is I believe, really about to do that. And um, let me go to verse 29. And as Isaiah said before, Unless the Lord of Sabaoth, that, I like that word Sabaoth, it, it just means uh, Lord, the Lord of armies or uh, the Lord of hosts, you know. But I like Sabaoth, right? Sounds like I really know something. And as the, Isaiah said before, unless the Lord of Sabaoth had left us a seed, if God had not been merciful. So those who think God is unjust, he's not unjust. If God had not been merciful, we would have become like Sodom. And we would have been made like Gomorrah. We would have been like Sodom and Gomorrah. We would have been utterly destroyed if God hadn't been good. So don't say God is unjust. Wow. And um, in the Lamentations 3.22, uh, Jeremiah says, Through the Lord's mercies we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. It's not the, the mercies that you and I received this morning are not yesterday's mercies. They're new today. New every morning. And then he, he exclaims, great is your faithfulness. So God is faithful to us. He's faithful to the sinner and he's faithful to the saint. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. 
Thank you, Jesus. And so he concludes by saying, what shall we say then? What shall we say? What shall we say to these things? What shall we say? We have heard the story of God's goodness. We've heard the story of God's severity. What shall we say? That Gentiles who did not pursue righteousness have attained to righteousness. That's you and me. We weren't even looking for what we found. Yeah. I came to the university to get an education and found a wife. <laughs> Somebody stop that man over there. What shall we say then? The Gentiles who did not pursue righteousness have attained to righteousness. Even the righteousness of faith. That's powerful. Faith. But Israel pursuing the law of righteousness has not attained to the law of righteousness. Why? Because they did not seek it by faith. They did not seek it by faith. You're here by faith. You trusted God by faith. But as it were, they, Israel sought righteousness by the works of the law, by what they could do. There's still some people like that, what they could do, for they stumble over that stumbling stone. Who is the stumbling stone? Jesus. Say it loudly. Jesus. They stumble over Jesus. He wasn't their idea of a leader. He was too kind, too sweet, too wonderful, too soft, too forgiving, too loving. They wanted somebody tougher, harsh, put people in the place. That's, what, that's, that's how Israel had sunk so low with the Pharisees, the Sadducees. They were so bad, they connected with the world to kill Jesus with the Herodians, the Romans. They killed Jesus by consorting with the world. The last verse, Behold, I lay in Zion a stumbling stone and rock of offense, and whoever believes on him, on the stumbling stone and the rock of offense, will not be put to shame. Yeah, God is saying, you'll never be dishonored. You will never be disgraced for having put your faith in him. You'll never suffer repulsion. Oh, you, that repulses me. You'll never be deceived because you put your faith in Jesus. The day is coming when you're going to say, God, I'm so grateful that you loved me through this. That's what you're going to say. You believe on Jesus, you'll never be, never ever be put to shame. I'm going to ask you if there's anybody in the house, you want to give your life to Jesus right now, you can. I want you to do that. I don't want to rush through it. I just don't want to keep, keep you here and keep you here. But this is a good place to be. If you want to give your life to Jesus, just come up forward. Come forward. You can raise your hand if you'd like. You can come forward. We got elders here. And, and they're just going to take you a, 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 a moment. Just come to Jesus. All of us came to Jesus. And I'm so grateful. Let's go ahead and lead her to Jesus. Thank you so much, ma'am. I'm glad you're here. 
Yes, yes, come on. Is there anybody else you, or anybody over here? Come on over. Come on over. Come on up. If, if that's you, come on up. Give yourself to Jesus Christ and let him love you, save you. Yes. Let him bless your life. Come, please.